0: Father, thank you for your word to us this morning, and we ask that you would speak to our hearts, bring the transformation that you have in mind for us, that we may look evermore like Jesus himself. And we ask this in his name, amen. Amen. Um, James has asked me for this week and next week to um, really do a little teaser, if you like, into um, emotional health and spiritual health. And this is something we'll be looking at later in the year in more depth and more detail. And um, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, I forget now, um, I shared about sort of agnosticism and um, if you were here for that... um, I touched on a few things there that connect in with this. And I, I'm not going to give a really, um, it's a really simple message today. So hopefully that's a good thing for you um, rather than something else. Um, some years ago, I must have been, I think, 18, 19. And I, I wanted to sort of have a motto for life. And so I, I prayed and I said, Lord, what... What are the things you've been showing me? What, what should I have as my kind of life motto? And um, this thing came to me, um, which at the time I was, I thought, wow, I'll tell you what it was first. This thing came to me, which is, life is about God and people. Everything else is secondary. And I sort of sat down and went, wow, that's really wise. <laughs> and I was almost like, you know, danger in the danger zone of moving into pride in terms of feeling like how great that thing was. Until, of course, I realized that Jesus had said it a long time ago. Um, and it had been around a lot longer than that because it's, it's back in Deuteronomy as well. Uh, it comes from the Shema. Um, the Shema is uh, a Hebrew prayer, uh, a Jewish prayer, and you'll know the words, um, uh, But basically it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And really, for me, that promise or that command captures the very essence of what it means to be both spiritually healthy and emotionally healthy. And um, a few weeks ago when I shared about that Um, aspect of sort of Gnosticism, I was talking about how we cannot separate our spiritual life from our kind of earthly human life. And speaking about the the real importance of holding those things together. So today, you you know the story of Martha and Mary well. We've heard it so many times. And um, I can't pretend that I'm going to share anything new about what happened there. But just let's start there because I think it's a good kind of introduction into this piece. So Jesus obviously comes to Martha's home. Now, you may or may not know that the cultural norms of the time for a woman who was sort of in charge of the home was that her primary role was to look after the family and to look after her guests. So it was absolutely right for her to be preparing food and looking after her guests. That was, in, that was a cultural norm. They didn't have the kind of revolution that's happened over the last however long it's been. Um, and the world we see today, of course, looks very different to the world back then. But it was very much the role of women in that society. And Martha was just operating out of that role. She wasn't doing anything particularly wrong. And of course, something else happens which is totally the opposite of someone being in the normal situation. Because Mary, as Martha's sister, um, Mary in uh, the Gospel of John anoints Jesus' feet um, with oil um, and, uh, or is it tears? I forget which one it is now, James. <laughs> I, I forget. I think it's nard, isn't it? Um, and uh, perfume, that's right. And, and with her hair and everything. And, and that's, this is the same Mary that we're talking about. So real devotion. Um, and, but Mary comes into the room at whatever point she comes in, and she sits at Jesus' feet. Now, what that meant to sit at a rabbi's feet was that you were posturing yourself as a disciple. That meant, I'm coming before you now to learn and to draw, You know, not to draw from you in a negative way, but in a positive, honoring way. I value who you are, I value your interpretation of the law, which is why you would sort of align with a certain rabbi. And I want to learn more because I want to grow in my relationship with God. That was only allowed in the societal customs of the day for men. And Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus was an offence to society. An absolute offence. But of course, in the story Jesus doesn't see it that way. So Mary is turning cultural norms upside down by sitting at Jesus' feet. And culturally, it was very appropriate for Martha to be cross with her. So when we read the story of what's going on, it doesn't really feel fair to Martha. And that's often the... um, Uh, the narrative that we hear, isn't it? I don't know what things you've heard about the story, but certainly it feels unfair for Martha because, you know, um, someone's got to, you know, look after the guests and it's, you know, we're told in the passage it's her home. Uh, We don't know if it's her home alone and and Mary's living with her or if they uh, have it together. But... It doesn't quite feel fair. And so, um, just looking into the passage, and some of you may have um, spotted it. I've just realized I'm on the wrong page. Uh, Some of you may have um, spotted this. Um, So, verse 40 uh, says this, But Martha was distracted with much serving, And then, obviously, she goes up to Jesus and she says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. Now, of course, as far as Martha's concerned, she's saying, come on, Jesus, help support me in the societal custom. You know, culturally, what is right is that she should be helping me. But, of course, Jesus doesn't. And what we find here, and this is the danger I think for all of us, is that Martha is distracted. So it's not that she shouldn't have been looking after her guests, and Jesus isn't saying that. But probably what's happening, and we have to interpret and read between the lines, every time we read something in scripture that looks like God is not being loving, we have misinterpreted it. So we have to interpret every action in scripture through the love of God and that he is the God of love. So trying to understand this passage, I think what is going on is that Martha is preparing way, way more than she needs to. That she so wants to make her either a good impression or she's so Uh, wants to maybe yeah maybe it is that to impress Jesus or she so just wants to bless him and maybe it's her heart could perhaps be in fully the right place she wants to honor him with the the bounty of what potentially is she's able to put before him and so I think her heart is in a good place here but in it she's got distracted and Jesus is probably thinking look a sandwich will do Or whatever the equivalent was back then. A bit of bread and fish, probably. Something really simple he'd be quite happy with. And she's got distracted. Um, So often in the journey of the Christian faith, we know that what is um, called of us, what the Lord wants of us, is time. He wants us... to to be in his presence. He wants us to stop and just spend time with him. But so often we get distracted by the things that he's calling us to bring that we forget to go to the source to get filled up with him so that we kind of deliver whatever he's calling us to do in the right way and the most appropriate way. It is so easy to get distracted. Do you relate? I'm not just talking to myself. Isn't it, though? Like, I don't know how it is for you. Um, It's so easy for me to walk into my study in the morning, turn the computer on, and there's my inbox. And straight away... I can get distracted from what I had planned to do, whatever it might be. It might be take a moment with the Lord if I haven't done it already. It might be, you know, something else I was planning to do, make a phone call or whatever. And suddenly I see 30 emails. I'm like, oh, help, I better get through this. And instantly I'm locked into something. Those emails drag me away. And before I know it, I haven't, you know, connected with the Lord or whatever the thing I was trying to do was. Being distracted, I think, is one of the biggest problems. It's a subtle thing, and we don't see it as that bad. But being distracted will lead you to becoming dry and effectively washed up. If you get distracted consistently, your life with God will suffer, and the people around you will notice And if, you know, I I have a a fairly big family. There's six of us. And they notice if I get distracted for too long. And I'm not talking about just being on my phone in front of them because I don't really do that. But um, I am talking about if I don't spend time in his presence regularly, consistently, my life starts to look uh, less gracious Or my attitudes towards my family are less gracious. Why? Because I haven't received his grace afresh. So, what Mary chooses to do, going against every cultural norm, is to sit at the feet of Jesus and just receive. Now, Um, I'm not 100% clear on whether this Mary is the same Mary of whom it's written, uh, she used to be a woman of ill repute. I don't think it is. And um, I, I think there are different interpretations on this. But what we do know for certain, whatever her past was, is that she was very close to Jesus. This is Mary of Bethany, by the way, so don't think Mary Magdalene. This is um, Mary of Bethany, um, Martha's sister, um, Lazarus's sister as well. And um, And uh, you know, if we look in other places in Scripture, um, uh, she, like I said earlier, she pours out this perfume on Jesus and just shows utter devotion. Again, in that moment, she breaks every cultural norm because she lets down her hair. And that is a big no-no in the culture of the time. Uh, That was reserved for the husband, but she did it to show her devotion uh, to Jesus. And so there's something really extraordinarily beautiful about how Mary has postured herself. She could have gone and... You know, and we don't know the pre lead to this story. I bet you, for I I imagine Mary and Martha have done some preparation together, and Mary has then come away as Jesus arrived and sat at his feet. And uh, Martha's carried on because she got distracted, and Mary didn't, and she just sits and she waits to receive. Now, I don't know how much um, you guys get distracted. But the big piece here, and this is about a healthy spirituality, is you've got to f- you've got to learn what the triggers are for you that will lead you into a being distracted cycle or losing focus. Now, if um, I just want to check, I haven't missed anything here. Okay, so let's let's just root Mary's. Um, thing in a couple of other scriptures. So in um, Matthew 6, the Sermon on the Mount, um, verse 33, um, Jesus says, you know, I must have written that down wrong. Did I write 33? haven't. must be 23. Sorry. Or is it 33? Sorry. One sec. No, I think it is 33. Sorry. Bear with me. Oh, here we are, yeah. Sorry, Matthew six thirty-three. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, Mary will have known this. She'll have heard this because Jesus would have said it many a time. It's recorded here, but he would have, it would have been a, a big thing, and we hear it in other parts of Scripture. So Mary gets, seek first his kingdom, and she's literally living for it, breaking every cultural norm to sit at his feet. Um, what about um, another scripture, um, Luke eight verse fourteen? So, um, if we go back to Luke, Luke eight verse fourteen, and this is the, the par- this is the um, when Jesus speaks about the purpose of the parables, and he's spoken about the parable of the sower. And then he starts to explain it. And he says this in verse 14. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. And their fruit does not mature. So, that is this thing of distraction. When we move into distraction, the fruit... The fruit of the Spirit does not mature within us. And some of those amazing fruits, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, they, um, they just become weaker in us. We don't operate in them as, as much as we're able to. And this is the deadly danger of distraction. And so it's really important that we find a way of breaking through distraction. Now, there will always be things that come along, what we might call legitimate diversions. So we're heading in one direction, something comes along, it might be an emergency, we've just got to put all our energy into that for the moment. Or a phone call comes in, you know, somebody's calling us, a friend or a family member and they just need some support in that moment. I'm not talking about that stuff. But I am saying that we need to find a way that enables us to stay the course and to regularly find those points of connection with Jesus. It really is simple. Most Christians um, seek, and I say seek because we probably go through cycles, But most Christians would seek to have a time with God in the day. And I think for the majority of people, it's probably in the morning. How many meals do most people have in a day? Three meals, okay. So most people will have three meals. I know there's all sorts of dieting and different ways of doing it. Some people might have six small meals. Or three meals and perhaps a snack in the morning and a snack in the afternoon. Or something like that. Whatever it is. Because we need the fuel, and hopefully we're eating the right stuff, but we need the fuel for our bodies to get the energy they need to do the things that are required of us. Whether that's looking after children, which draws so much energy, doesn't it? Or whether it's a a high-level job or whatever it is. There's... um, we need this thing. And it's very rare, unless we purposely decide to fast, that we will necessarily skip a meal. We will probably fairly consistently stick to our pattern of uh, you know, eating in whatever pattern we have. And let's just use the three meals a day thing because most of us will probably adopt to that. And it's important, and we value it, and we know that we need it if we don't we get hangry and then people might get hurt by us and if you don't know what I mean by hangry it's a mixture of hungry and angry and they go together so we don't want to get hangry so we eat <clears throat> Jesus is the bread of life He is our food so how often should we eat the bread of life Should it just be once a day, once in the morning? Let's say you have a quiet time and you you kind of binge because it's your only time with God. So I'm going to binge. I'm going to read this passage, maybe a psalm, maybe I'll do the Bible in a year. I'm going to pray for this, this and that. I'm just going to stop and listen. Whatever the mix is of what feeds your spiritual life, if you're only doing it at one point in the day, you know, by the time you get to lunchtime or the mid-afternoon, you've almost forgotten who he is because you're in the mix of whatever your life requires from you. And so I want to put to you um, a different approach, and some of you will probably be living this already, but um, if we were to look at Daniel, let's start with Daniel. Um, In... in, um, Daniel chapter 6, where, you know, the, the Bible tells us the story of Daniel uh, having to face the lions in the lion's den um, because, of, because of his prayer life. And what does he do? You, you, might, you might know this without needing to look it up, but I'll just read it to you. Uh, verse 10 of chapter 6. When Daniel knew uh, that the document had been signed, um, that's the edict from King Darius, When he knew the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chambers open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. This is not a new thing for Daniel. This was his practice. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed And gave thanks to the Lord. We don't know for how long, but we know that he did it. So there's Daniel. Uh, What about David? This one might have you running. So Psalm 119, which most of you will know is the longest psalm. Uh, And verse 164. Towards the end of the psalm. This is what it says. Seven times a day, I praise you for your righteous rules. Now, there are other translations, but this would have been a a practice that David would have lived in regularly. Seven times a day, he would stop to acknowledge in some way, to praise, to give thanks, the presence of the Lord. Some of you will have heard of uh, Benedict, the, the you know the, the original Benedictine monk, or the Rule of Saint Benedict, and he brought in a prayer system for the monks that um, came out of his movement, where they prayed seven times a day. And um, there's something which um, is called the the daily office, and uh, you know in churches, the historic church, we have something called the daily office. Within that. We have morning prayer, also known as matins. Uh, You have daytime prayer. Uh, You have evening prayer, also known as vespers. Um, Then uh, there's various other things you can do. And then uh, the last one um, is called compline or night prayer. So there are these structures to enable us to grow our spirituality. And um, the word um, office, if you... um, Come underneath it. Obviously, it, it relates to work. So my first work is to Lord, but it, it is to the Lord. But if you think of it like a trellis, and a trellis in the old, uh, you know, in the Bible times, they would use a trellis to hold up the vines so that they wouldn't droop over and kind of, you know, so that they'd grow, get the light, and produce the best fruit. And the trellis would train the vines to grow in the right way. Now it's not so much a trellis; I don't know what they call it, but you'll see these rods. If you see Kingsbrook Vineyard, in um, you can drive past it. If you drive on the road through uh, West Chiltington, you'll drive past the Kingsbrook Vineyard. And at the moment, you can see these, um, you know, these sort of rods that they put in the vines, so that the vines grow around them. It's the same idea. It's so that the grapes will get the, or the plants will get the light that they need. Um, and so that the grapes grow in the best way they possibly can. And it's a really simple thing, but I want to put to you this, that rather than adopting a method of one big feed in the morning or in the evening, break it down, make them a bit smaller perhaps, and go for something a bit different. And I mean to do this with intention. So sometimes you might just be in your car, And you might think, oh, I'm just going to connect with God. That's great. Um, But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about intentionally decide at what point in the day you are going to stop and take time. And it it doesn't need to be long. You can do this in five minutes. Or you can choose to do it in 20 minutes. Um, But the point is that you stop. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Get them off whatever's around you. Um, you can pull on whatever scriptures or whatever the stuff is that feeds you. And the stuff that feeds you will probably be different to the stuff that feeds me. But one thing I really want to encourage you is in um, make use of silence. You know, um, it, when Elijah, uh, God reveals himself to Elijah... And he says, stand in the cleft of the rock. And the Lord uh, passes by, doesn't he? And then uh, there's um, uh, fire. And um, he says, God's not in the fire. But he was for Moses, right? So there was a, a previous journey of that. And then it's uh, the wind. But God's not in the wind in, that, in, in the story. And then um, I've forgotten what the third one was. What was the third one? Huh? Oh, thank you, yeah. And the earthquake. And previously in the Old Testament, those things had been used and where God spoke through them. But he wasn't in what had happened historically for Elijah in that moment. But as the noise of the fire, which was the last one, died down, it went to a deathly silence. And it talks about the scriptures talk about a still small voice because they don't know how to articulate that deathly silence, and you may have heard it before. I once was skiing uh, with some friends in Austria, and we came around the back of this mountain, and we stopped, and suddenly we were all aware of the silence, because suddenly all the noise had gone. We couldn't hear anyone. You couldn't hear the noise of anyone's skis or anything. We just stopped and went... And we we're all Christians, so we're like, just, let's just enjoy the silence. And we stopped for about five minutes, just going like this. Because the silence was so silent, it was overwhelming. That's what happened to Elijah in the cleft of the rock. That was the still, small voice. He, he, he had an experience of silence beyond which he'd ever had before. And God spoke through it. In our world, which is full of distraction, which is so fast and busy, when we stop to slow down, to unplug ourselves from digital mayhem or whatever the stuff is that we have to do in our lives, it's this thing. And what I seek to do is literally stop and for the first few minutes say absolutely nothing, complete silence. And I'm not trying to get anything from God. I'm literally, here I am, Lord. I just want to be with you. And then I start when I say nothing. If I get distracted by a thought, I'm like, oh, sorry, Lord. Here I am. Back into silence. And not for long. Sometimes I might do five minutes, sometimes ten. Very often I'll only do two minutes. And it's amazing how it just recenters me on him. Just because I say, it, I just want to be with you. And I don't want anything else in this moment other than to be with you. And then I might read a scripture, a psalm or something. Um, then I'll see what he speaks to me through that. And, and then, you know, pray. And, and that could take 10 minutes or it could take half an hour, whatever. But I would seek to do that um, three times a day. And if I don't, I don't beat myself up about it. If I only manage two, or even if I only manage one, I won't beat myself up about it. But the point is, the more I do it regularly, and if I put in the time frame, which has actually been harder this week, because I've been off this week, than it is when I'm working, I find it much easier when I've got the structure of life to do it. Um, but I will have the points in the day in my diary, this is when I'm doing it. I'm doing it at, you know, whatever it is, 6 a.m., 12 p.m., and you know, whatever fits in the calendar. But they are so important. And as I live from those things, I'm so much more like Jesus. My spirituality grows so much by that simple system. Now, there's so much more we could do. I just wanted to give one thing today um, that you can take away practically and use. And if you're in a one big feed, you know, with your life with God change it have regular moments in the day i love doing it in the car so if i sometimes arrive somewhere early on purpose to sit in the car and do this whatever you call it daily office a five ten minute time with the lord just in the car on my own because there's no noise there's no kids going and, and all of that um, and i can just i can stop so that's often how i'll do it but find obviously what works for you And I really want to encourage it because this will bring uh, huge returns in your life. There's loads more to growing in our um, spiritual health. But I have found this simple tool to be profoundly life-changing. What are the four things? Stop. That's really important. Centering, uh, that you may not like that word, but it just means centering yourself on Jesus, or focusing, you might want to call it, focusing yourself on Jesus, the Father, the Holy Spirit, rather than anything else. Um, silence, um, and then scripture, and whatever the scripture leads you into. And those are the, the main things. We need to wrap up, but I want to just close by um, saying... Um, I know that's a really simple thing, looking at the life of Martha and Mary, and Mary choosing that which was more beneficial, that which was better, simply by sitting at the feet of Jesus. We get to do that, and it's really important, because the one thing you can be sure of is that the enemy will not want you to have regular connection with your Father in heaven. It's that regular connection that puts you on chair one, if you remember... Leif Hetland, and I won't explain all that now, but um, it basically means knowing who you are as his beloved son or beloved daughter and operating out of that place. Let's pray. I want to, can we just stand for a moment? And um, I know we're out of time, but I just want to do one thing for us all. Let's close our eyes. let's just place our hands um, in front of us in that receiving mode, imagining we're at the feet of Jesus because, hey, we are. And I'm going to invite you just now to try and stop your thought processes. Just take authority over them and just say, be still. Just as Jesus spoke to the storm, speak to your thoughts. Be still. And now just uh, imagine Jesus before you, or you can go with the Father or the Holy Spirit, or all three, whichever. Just uh, fix your gaze upon Jesus. And what we're going to do, we're going to have literally one minute. I'm only going to do one minute. One minute, absolutely silent. And when we're in that minute, I'm, I'm going to just say, here I am, Lord. And maybe you say that phrase or maybe you have another phrase you want to use. A really simple, quick phrase that says, here I am. And then if at any moment your thoughts move into something else, just... Use that as an opportunity to come back in that space and go, Jesus, here I am, or here I am, Lord. So we're going to start. Any moment. Okay. Here I am, Lord. That's one minute. Um, Let's just go from there now. Let's just say, Holy Spirit, would you come and lead us deeper in our walk with God? Right now, would you show us how we can adopt a simple trellis or a rule of life, in a sense, that holds together um, our connection with you? Holy Spirit, would you speak to us now in this moment? Lord, we long to move from a faith which gets stuck or where we recognize that we need to grow in different ways. We long to move into a place where we are just regularly consistently, constantly connected with you. I asked that we would learn from the lives of Daniel and David who adopted different ways of doing it, but they worked for them. But the point was it was regular connection. That we would have consistent dialogue with you in the day but when we have the busyness around us, that we would make absolute priority to stop at different points in the day and sort of focus our hearts, our minds, our spirits on you and receive from you. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. I don't know for you what happened in the silence. Do you know, for a lot of people, silence is really difficult. And if you're one of them, I really want you to pursue it. Because the more you do it, the more you will encounter him through it. And just one very brief, uh, some years ago, they did a a thing where they took non-believers on a retreat, a silent retreat for, it was one week. And for quite a few of them, They heard absolutely nothing in the silence. They really struggled with it. But by day four, every single one of them had a profound spiritual experience with Father God. And uh, these were atheists and all sorts, people from all sorts of different backgrounds. And God spoke and it changed their lives forever just because they made space for silence. And so I, I just want to encourage us that it's such an important Part of the spiritual journey. Being able to stop and be quiet. As uncomfortable as it might be, if, if that's your experience, I, I just want to really encourage you to pursue it this week and see how it goes. Make space if it's one, two, three, four minutes each time. We've got to finish, so I'm sorry I've gone over a bit there. But um, also, if you want, if you're interested, um, some of us on the team have been using um, this book which is a daily office book it has two offices each day starts with two minutes silence ends with a two minute silence um, and there's some all sorts of stuff in here about healthy spirituality it's called day by day so it's called emotional healthy spirituality day by day by Peter Scazzaro you can buy it on Amazon for about five pounds I think so if you're interested and you'd like to go further that's something available to you also later in the year we will be offering um A kind of journey with this Um, that won't be coming probably till September but just so you know we will have an opportunity to explore this in much more depth um, as the year goes on bless you have an amazing week and um, see you again soon take care